0: Okay, we are back. Welcome to another episode of Cap and Trade. We are now at episode thirty-four. This week we have, as always, co hosting Landry Locker of Sports Radio six ten and of the locker room on YouTube. Subscribe to his new channel. And we do have special guest tonight from ESPN, Mr. DJ enemy DJ, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing alright, I'm a little bit under the weather, but Oh no. You're gonna
0: you're gonna power through for us, huh?
1: Uh, yeah i'm gonna just take nightclub cool after this and uh
0: knock out huh? <laughs> <and> knock out <laughs> <laughs> good well well i appreciate i appreciate the time and um appreciate you uh continuing to to join us despite being under the weather so we'll uh try not to keep you too terribly long but uh, again i appreciate the time and so this week you know we'll talk a little bit about the uh the loss against chicago and what some of the news that's going on this week we'll talk about davis mills and his continued regression a lot of a lot of discussion about running back today and uh talk about a little bit of what Lovey had talked about this past couple days so overall you know just a lot to cover but uh first off dj i mean you're new to houston so so how are you liking it so far here
1: yeah no i'm enjoying it um houston is dope it's a dope city to live in um the food's great um the cost of living is fantastic um the housing situation is a lot better than it was in new york that's for sure so yeah no, i'm enjoying it across the board the people on the beat are really cool really inviting um so
0: yeah and we uh so you came from came from new york right yeah so you were? how long were you up in new york
1: only about a uh, about 15 months
0: okay so a little bit no. different media scene from going from crazy New York to to Houston, I assume. It's way different,
1: <laughs> way different. Like, like a good example is um, when Lovey went for the tie um, in New York, he, he would have got battered.
0: That's what I was thinking. I, yeah, he would have he got he would have got crushed,
1: like crushed mm-hmm. left and right mm-hmm. from all angles. Um, yeah, he would have. Yeah, that would, you know, they would just wrote, like, you know, that he, because he was talking throughout the whole week that they were trying to prove, not prove, but they're trying to basically indirectly try to get revenge for being outscored. What was it? 62 to three last year. Right. So, like, for them to then be in a position to win the game, blow the lead, and in overtime, punt and settle for the tie, yeah, they would have got crushed.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had talked about it at the, after, uh, the show after that game and that was one of the points i was making too about how all, all offseason he was talking about getting the fans involved we need all the support and talking that talking that big old mess all offseason and then go out for the tie the first week so yeah, that was just rough altogether but we're uh happy to have you i've enjoyed your coverage so far i appreciate the uh the more direct questions that we're getting from you at uh some of the pressers and when when lovey's Speaking, so definitely happy to have you here. So overall, I mean, what what's your kind of a high-level take on the Texans so far three weeks into the season?
1: I think the defense, I think the defense is actually good. I think that, um, you know, if the offense didn't disappear in the fourth quarter, they'd be undefeated right now, in all honesty. Each game came down to the last drive offensively. They had the ball in their hands with the opportunity to win the game. Um, when they was tied or down or whatever, they had opportunities. And I think that they only had those opportunities because of the defense. And even like, yeah, like last week that, the, you know, they gave up 281 yards rushing, but I want to say about, do my math is right. Like about one 10, of that was kind of preventable. Um, obviously the jet sweep that went for like 41, obviously the 52 yard run from Khalil Herbert. Um, that happened first, you know, first drive of the third quarter, and then obviously Justin Fields' thirty, you know, basically you know thirty-yard run. If you know if they don't prevent those explosive, they prevent those explosive. Like the numbers look a lot different, right? If Owen makes that tackle on the fifty-two, you know, yard run, numbers don't look as bad, and possibly they don't. I think most of those drives ended in, in points, so they prevent those. You know, obviously like the Texans, I mean, the Bears don't score that much. So I think that the defense is actually good because they have they've invested in a lot of the premium spots that matter, right? They have two good corners, they have a ball hawking safety, well playmaking safety, that's why I classify Petrie as. Obviously, they have a rock solid safety and Owens. Um, the linebacker play could be a little bit better, but they still have two good edge rushers. They have depth at the end spot, right, where you can um, rotate in Green and you obviously have Gennard and obviously you have Jerry Hughes. Um, so I think that defensively they're really good i think not really well i, I think they're good right um well
0: and, the, and here for us good is middle of the pack being a major right. improvement over last year
1: exactly i think um points allowed if i can pull it up right now they should be they're allowing if my math is correct points per game because that's what really matters how many points you allow they're allowing 19 points per game which is 12th best in the nfl like that is good Right? Like, right. if you're holding teams to 20 points per game, you're going to have a chance to win every single week unless your offense is putrid. Um, so, offensively, um, I think, you know, you've probably discussed at uh, Nisium, you know, just they're fine until the fourth quarter. I don't know what happens in the fourth quarter that causes the offense to completely nosedive. Um, they have zero points in the fourth quarter. And argument could be made if they just average three points. Per you know, per fourth quarter, they would be undefeated, right? Because they would have beat the Colts. If They scored one more point in the fourth quarter, they would have beat. They would have beat the Bears, and they would have beat. They could have possibly beat the um, Broncos, and they had the Broncos on the rope. You know, they yep. just basically just slip away. So that's kind of my assessment.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what to make of the offense falling apart, like you're saying. I mean, it seems like the defense, the the opponents are making adjustments after the halftime and Houston has not been able to figure out a way to counter those adjustments right. and then it's just kind of a mental wear down through the third quarter the defense starts getting worn down starts you know with the run run defense struggles that they've had so far and it just kind of wears on the whole team and it carries over and they just cannot finish out the game and hopefully we'll we'll see at some point this team put together four quarters of play but I mean they've got like you say they overall they're they're a solid defense. They seem to be having chunk plays here and there that make that kind of skew the numbers that make them seem a little bit worse than they probably are. They still have a very good pass rush. I mean they're they're only blitzing what I think the 21st highest blitz team in the league right now, but they're creating the fifth highest pressure rate on the quarterback. So just bringing four or five guys they're getting pressure on the quarterback successfully and right. that's turning into good coverage numbers for the secondary turnovers for the secondary and the linebackers. And then, you know, the past defense looking at the numbers as well for them, if we're looking just at stats, you know, the number I kind of li- like to look at is the uh, adjusted net yards per attempt, which is a fo- uh, stat head pro football reference number, which they are six best in that number. So, the numbers say that they're a good, solid defense. They're definitely yes. at worst the middle of the pack. They yes. just need to stop giving up those chunk plays and just try to m- minimize the mental wear down that occurs towards the end of the game.
1: Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that if their offense just helped them out a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly where we're at at this point. I mean, the the offense is doing nothing. We saw it this past week. What? Zero turn and zero points on turnovers yep. this past this past weekend. So I mean the defense is putting them in just fantastic situations. We've seen the team other mm-hmm. opponents give them gifts with kicks out of bounds and missing field goals and you know, just it just like you said, there's too many times where they could easily be three and 2 and one at you know, two oh and one or two and one at the worst, whatever it may be. But it's it's frustrating as a fan it's frustrating to to watch it over and over and over and speaking of the offense i mean that's kind of a continued discussion point for us every week is the davis mills continued decline i his i don't know what it is that changes from what we saw last year to this year i mean it's a different it's a different system but, but based on all accounts there in the offseason Davis Mills was super excited for it. He's had plenty he had plenty of interviews on the radio, you know, discussing the simplicity of the system compared to last year and how it should free him up. And all we're seeing is the complete opposite. We're seeing the the poor footwork return. He, he's not coming off of his first read very often anymore, and he's having trouble making the progressions. He's making some very deep drops on the on the long, you know, the long developing passing plays, which is putting him right in the where the tackles are pushing their defensive ends around right into his breadbasket. And it's just, I don't know what to make of it. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, on Davis mills as a whole and what we've seen these three weeks. I don't I don't know how much, how heavily you watched him last year to compare him to this year, but what are you seeing so far out of him?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, a lot of the issues that have popped up in the season we saw in training camp, you know, I know you've been to a couple practices. I know, mm. um, um, my brain's not working. Landry had been to a couple practices, but again, like, th- throwing outside of the numbers, pushing the ball beyond 10 yards, in-breaking routes, out-breaking routes, that was an issue in camp, so I already knew that was going to be an issue during the season, but I, w- I still wanted to give you know give the grace and give the patience and see, okay, what is that going to look like um, when the games actually start flying, right? Because there's some days where, like, mills look really good. Um, it's just interesting that whenever things... Whenever things get, you know, like the stakes rise, like it's like Mills it kind of shri- oh, it shrivels. Because I was, I wrote a story early this week, and I wrote about fourth quarter numbers, and like they're like abysmal. But when you compare it to last year, it's like, how is this happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I, you know, I think that as you were mentioning, sometimes he doesn't come off of his reads quick enough. Um, and sometimes, man, he just doesn't like. All right, I'm gonna go to my best players right here, right? Like. The, the interception to Rex Burkhead, granted, it was tipped, but, like, why on third and one are you throwing Rex Burkhead? Like, you got Brandon Cooks, you got Nico Collins, because um, like, Brandon Cooks was open on a quick out route. Yeah, you know? I saw that. And then also, like, you know, it was like a high-low concept with Nico and Rex Burkhead, so, like, you had that, you know, Rex basically running the sit-down route. If you really wanted to get it to Rex, you could have froze the linebacker, which was um, Smith, you know, just froze him, because he was, he was the hook defender. The hook, uh, yeah he was a hook yeah, he
0: was he was looking at Collins behind him
1: right so you could have just kept staring at that and then throwing down the uh, Rex or you could have stared at Rex and then hit it you know hit um Nico behind that you know just that that manipulation that you have to do um at the quarterback position that sometimes she just isn't doing that well you know or like I remember there'll like, be plays where he'll force it to Nico um, why well, he's being covered by Stephon Gilmore. Like, that's not a favorable matchup at that point. You know what I'm saying? I remember that, like, happened in week one or, like, um, you know, this past week, you know, where, like, you know, you're trying to get the ball to Brandon Cooks. Granted, the DB did make a great play on that interception, right? But, like, man, you got to put that in a, in a spot where the DB can't get there. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, if he gets there, it gets batted down. But, like, like some of it, you know, that that is, you know, poor luck. But, man... It's like, you know, Mills will do enough to make you think that there is something there, but then, like, he'll remind you that he's was third third pick for a reason, you know? So...
0: Yeah, that was so, going to be a big, at least for me, that was going to be a big concern this year for Mills was he might end up showing you just enough to convince you not to make a move in 2023, and then you kind of end up in that that QB purgatory area where you're... Six seven eight win team on the on the edge of playoff kind of kind of roster you know right. so I think that would be the biggest concern, but yeah, i mean he his accuracy beyond ten yards, like you said, he's not pushing the ball down the field like he did last year, his accuracy outside of the numbers is way off like you mentioned, and it's just i i can't i can't figure it out i it's yeah. uh, it's frustrating it it doesn't make any sense. Based on what we saw last year, and I know you said we saw you saw a lot of that in training camp, and you were hoping it wouldn't carry over, and it looks like it yeah. does. And so, I don't know, and it, it makes me wonder if it's a mental thing with him as well, because it seems to kind of stem around. You know, we had the strip sack in Indy, and that's when he kind of fell off, and then the, right. uh, this past week he had the the tipped interception, and just can never get get his get his rhythm going after that. And that was, you know, same thing with Cooks. He just kind of forced it in. And I've seen a lot of things on the timeline about it's Pep, it's Mills, it's the wide receivers and tight ends not getting separation. It's a little bit of everything. If you go back and look at, watch the tape, I kind of glanced at the the all 22 and I'm not an expert by any means, but there were times where he missed open wide receivers. And then there was times where nobody was open and he tried to force it in. So, Right. It's not just on Mills, but at the end of the day, he's the quarterback. He's the main figure on this offense. Offense, and it's gonna fall on his shoulders at, for the most part, in my opinion.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, I think that if um, you put, let's say, you put a quarterback that's playing at like an above-average rate, I think that the Texans are two and one at this point. You know what I'm saying? At the oh, bare I agree minimum. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, um, like he's been in like Texas have been in a position to win games and you just kind of needed your quarterback to to make plays for you and he just hasn't been able to do that and it's it's very perplexing um because based off of just you know what he was able to do last year but again I you know when I first got on the B, I I did you know call some people around the league um like evaluate just to get their opinion on him and you know a lot of them did say that like a lot of his stats were in garbage time um which you know me personally like I believe that, you know, yes, like garbage time stats is a thing. But again, like not everybody can put up numbers, even if you're down by, you know, a bunch of points. Like that's still respectable within itself. But um, you know, maybe now that it's not those pre quote unquote prevent defenses that he was facing sometimes in those those fourth quarters that he had, he's you know, I guess he struggled or whatever whenever like the team make the those final adjustments. Um but um I think, you know, this week should be a good week for him um because there is a stark difference between how he plays on the road and how he plays at home which is he doesn't even have the answer for that you know like he, he's a much better quarterback at home um so hopefully we can just see some more of that um could I have a chance to win this game in my opinion um you know the Chargers kind of banged up um they're, they're missing both of us so he'll have clean pockets uh jc jacks is still dealing with injuries so it's not like I mean, Brandon Cooks will have to go against Asante Samuel or Nico Collins goes against Asante Samuel, who's a very good corner. But, um, you know, they'll have some favorable matchups. And obviously I think that uh, we'll see how the defense holds up against Justin Herbert. But again, like he's, he's banged out. up as well. Yeah. He's banged up and they're, they just lost their left tackle and their right tackle isn't good. So Gennard and Hughes, they should be able to have success coming off the edge. So I think that this, this matchup does go in their favor. And a lot of the things that they want to do, the Chargers struggle with. They really want to run the ball. And the Chargers, if they always play that too high shell, you know, that kind of leaves them vulnerable in the box. So, and you guys saw what happened last year when Rex Burkett was able to go for a buck 30 or a buck whatever um, against that same
0: defense. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. – there's been a lot, like you said, a lot of news, especially with Slater and Bosa going on IR this week. I mean, just looking at the line and how it's changed, it was, it was plus seven at the beginning of the week. And it dropped all the way down to four and a half. I think it's back up to about five and a half. Maybe some some folks are laying some money on Houston, but that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty strong drop. Two two and a half points. That's a pretty strong drop in in the terms of NFL lines. So this is a roster that for most games each week they they'll they'll be in it and they'll have a shot to win. It's just whether or not, like we talked about, if they can make it through four quarters. Um, so you're turning over, I know there's a lot of talk about running back this week, especially with the news that, uh, they were working out a couple of running backs today, which I don't get all too up in arms about workouts. I know teams have to keep their quote unquote hot list ready to go. You you keep bringing in players to work them out, to make sure that whenever you do have a an injury or a, an immediate need, you have all your notes and all your your duck's in order, and you already know the players and what they're capable of, and you can get them signed quickly and bring them into the system. But those are still two decent names. Um, you know, Abram hasn't he hasn't been on a 53-man roster since he got cut from the Saints after signing with them and as an undrafted re, uh, free agent. And then Tyson Williams has been around the league on a couple of teams and had a few spark plays here and there. But I think the Rex Burkhead experiment has just – really worn out the fan base i mean we're everybody's really excited you know great to see damian pierce putting together some decent work he's his vision really needs to kind of clean up he is missing i agree some very big openings a lot of yards left on the field i it's weird like he'll especially when he's running behind you know kenyon green who's just become a beast in the past two weeks yes he he'll you know he'll smash on the on the defensive tackle and then bounce up and get ready to go to that second level. And and he's just got all this green in front of him and he just doesn't hit the hole. And it's just mind boggling to me. Like there's two or three or four rushes in the past two games that are just like, you're staring at the screen going, it's right there. Just And he's just not making that decision. And maybe that'll come with time. It's maybe it's a confidence thing. Who knows? But I think everybody's excited at what Pierce has done so far and excited to that's going to continue on. And I don't think you can completely lean on Pierce a hundred percent. I mean, he's going to wear down as the season goes on, if you, if you do that. So at some point this team needs to figure out their running back two situation. Cause we've seen it twice now where Pier, uh, Pierce is on, on the sideline standing around when the team needs explosion plays and they've got Rex Burkhead in the game in the fourth quarter playing almost every snap. <laughs> and I don't know if it was this past week with the two fumbles and Pierce was kind of a little pseudo timeout or if it was just a function of the game flow, you know, like they've been saying. But Rex Burkhead ain't it, man. And whether it's bringing up Adari, you know, Dario Gombale and let him have a shot or bringing in another running back or something, I mean, Rex Burkhead can be depth, and that's fine. His salary is guaranteed for this year anyway. But he just does not be, need to be in there for the number of snaps that he's playing. So, I wanted to get your take on the running back situation and what you've seen so far.
1: Yeah, no, the running back spot is cool. Um, I think, you know, Damian Pierce is obviously a good uh, a good um, lead back. Obviously, you know, you're talking about depth. Um, I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah, and no, I, I mean, I kind of want – like, Jonathan Alexander, absolutely. I won't say he despises Rex. I won't go that far. But, like, every time he sees him get carried, he loses his mind. Because, like, why are you taking away reps from Pierce to give it to Rex? But – um. I mean, I think the running back room kind of is what it is at this point. You know, like, we're in week three, about being week four. Uh, we just said week three, yeah, about, about, about being week four. I mean, it kind of is what it is at this point. You know, like, they, they let Marlon Mack go, which still perplexing. Um, to let him go to just, you know, ride with Pierce and Rex, I mean. So, kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, like, there's nobody out there that's actually going to, like, make a legitimate difference. They do have a guy on the practice squad, Dokes, um, who was with Miami last year who a, was who's a seven-round draft pick. Granted, he hasn't had that many snaps, but they do have him as another option. But, man, yeah. like, I think their running back room's kind of set, man. Like, it kind of is what it is at this point. You know, just got to hope that, you know, Pierce gets a, a lot more carry, stops fumbling, and then Rex can just, t- you know, give him a couple of blows and then let Pierce go back out there and do his thing because that that's kind of what the running back room is right now, those two.
0: Yeah, I it- know. I don't know. Like I said, everybody was getting a little hyped up about the the players trying out, and I don't know that that means anything. Uh, yeah, they do have Gruden Oaks on the on the practice squad and Royce Freeman over there, which I don't understand that one either. But yeah, I mean Marlon Mack. From from what it sounded like, he once he got let go and put on the practice squad, he did not like being there and didn't didn't agree with being on the practice squad and backing up you know, Okumbole and and Burkhead. So that's pretty much why he moved on. And now he's, as we see, he's on the the 53-man roster with San Francisco. So we'll see how he does. But, you know, we talked a little bit briefly about Kenyon Green as well. He is just – he is finding his way week in and week out.
1: Yeah.
0: There was a lot of questions about his pass blocking in the beginning. That seems to be – improving dramatically week to week i mean he's like looking for work he pancaked what one or two guys this past weekend and the run blocking you know it's it's just been phenomenal with him and i think that's just another exciting point to this to this offense because that could potentially be a a long-term solution at at a spot that's been a glaring need for houston for about four or five years now
1: yeah i think that um the Texans offense is not as like granted, like they're they're not putting up the points that you want. But I think there's pieces there that you can work with. Like obviously you have Cooks, you got Nico. Obviously, you know, you need some more from the tight end spot, but the O line is is it's good. Like that's that is a very talented unit. Obviously you're still gonna add pieces, right? You know, get another center, um, possibly get another right guard. But you have your two tackles. Most teams can't say they have two starting caliber tackles. Just look at the Jets. The Jets are down to like their their fourth and fifth starting tackles. Like, yeah,
0: you know, they signed like, one of the they signed the Texans' uh, crazy, veteran crazy, tackle crazy. off the practice squad.
1: Exactly, you know. Like, I think the Dolphins are missing uh, their starting right tackle, who, who's hurt, and they got Greg Little, who you know was a second round pick, but he's flamed out and bouncing around. So again, like, it's hard to have two starting NFL caliber tackles that won't lose you games, and they have. Two really good one. Well, I think, you know, Howard is obviously solid, but Tunstall's been playing at a very high level. They obviously have Green, who is a mauler in a ground game. Obviously, he's improving in pass protection. Obviously, you have Pierce. Um, and I mentioned, though, you know, you have some receiver weapons. So I think that, you know, whether it's Mills or another quarterback later on, like, you have the pieces that you need. You got to add a little more, as I said, add another receiver, add another tight end, add another running back. And, like, you're kind of cooking, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's pieces here. Like, this is not a dysfunctional offensive uh, supporting cast around Davis Mills.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with it. Have you? Have you seen much from Tyler Johnson in practice here lately? Or, I mean, do you think we're going to so see So we're him? not
1: we're We're not, allowed to, we're not allowed to watch much much of practice outside yeah, of 30 minutes. So. 20 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, you get to basically see a walk through workout kind of thing. Yeah,
1: basically. Um I miss the Gary
0: Kubiak days. <laughs> he used to right. let every he'd let he'd let media camp out there all day watch everything. Man, go ahead. Sorry to me to cut you off.
1: No, um i think that uh it's very interesting that people keep mentioning Tyler um i'm just not understanding why i
0: yeah'm I'm, I'm, i was just more just curious what you're saying i don't i'm not and not meaning to say that i'm expecting big things from him i mean at the end of the day he's a fifth round pick that got released from the bucks and he's gonna be wide receiver four or five on this squad and i'm not not expecting anything big from him but just curious what you when do you think we might see him. On the game day roster,
1: um, whenever he learns the playbook, to be honest, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that that that's what Levy, that's what Levy said um, last week, which was like you know, whenever he gets up to speed, um, it's just you know, it's hard to really expect much out of a guy that you know, through two years, had five hundred twenty nine yards receiving, two touchdowns. Like, it's not like you're like a plethora of like production that you, you know you just kind of just keep it on the bench. Like, I don't know if he's much of an upgrade over like Nico or. Phillip or Chris he's, Morgan. He's same. not.
0: He's not. Yeah. He's 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 them in a different name or maybe even yeah, exactly. or slightly slightly less. I mean, it's it, you shouldn't be expecting wide receiver one two performance out of him whenever he does eventually see the field and maybe I'm hopefully I'll be completely wrong, but I just don't have the expectation of that. I think he's just depth and he's got two years left on his contract at, at rookie wage, and so it just it's a good fit for the for the team both now and next year. And if he makes it up and and make some plays, fantastic. But I I don't think there's going to be much. I don't think there's a whole lot there to be, to have the thirst that some of the fans out there have. Um, Just to remind folks, if you want to, if you want to have a if you want to ask a question, you know, there's multiple ways you can do this, you know, on the bottom left of your screen, there's a, a mic icon. You can press that to request speaking rights and ask your question or or you can uh the bottom right of your screen there's a a comment box where you can uh post a question there as well and we'll be happy to uh try to answer those as well so don't hesitate if you got any questions or comments you know we'll try to get to them so we saw former former and now return jordan akins back on the squad looking awfully spry out there compared to Mr uh heavy foot Farrell brown he looks like he's lumbering out there now um i i mean Brevin jordan being hurt is you know another disappointment he's it's gonna be year two of kind of disappointment for him at this point right and there it's another situ- it's just like the running back situation there's really not any crazy options out there on the market or anything to be had you're just gonna have to kind of manage your way through it at this point you got OJ howard who seemingly doing well. I just I guess Mills is not looking his way and he's not getting open. He's still doing what O. J. Howard does. He's blocking very well and, and he's putting in the work. But the tight end room is a, a continued probably probably the weak point of the offense if I had to guess beyond beyond running back.
1: Yeah, no, nah, for sure. Like tight end room is
0: it's bare right now.
1: Um obviously, you know Brevin Brevin has probably the most receiving ability. But, he, you know, he's not that great of a blocker. Um, obviously, you know, O.J. Howard just got here a couple weeks ago. It's crazy. He got here a couple weeks ago and scored two touchdowns in week one and has it has literally, I believe, two targets since. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he's still learning a playbook. Also, um, obviously, Jordan Atkins was able to make some plays. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, that tight end room was kind of rough, man. I ain't going to lie. Um, it was kind of – it was, yeah, nah, that, that, that room was kind of rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I'm just being honest. It, you know, it's it,
0: been rough for a few years now.
1: It's it's hard to get good tight end. Like like tight end is one of those positions that there just isn't that many guys out there. So when you, when when you go through a drought, oh that drought lasts because there's just not that many guys on earth, yeah, that can block well yeah. enough block defensive ends and run past linebackers and slot
0: corners. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I, I hear you there, and I. Right on the same page as you. So it looks like we got one request from Brian Sternbeck. Um, Sternbeck will pop in in here and get his question in. There's a few questions on the comments as well. So, Brian, welcome in. What you got, sir?
2: Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I just wanted to ask about what your expectations are for what could happen. The rest of I guess October, because I, in my opinion, the opportunity to claw their way back to five hundred is there. They're getting a Storm Norton left tackle game against the Chargers this weekend, and I'm going to need a lot more convincing before I say that the Jaguars are out of reach. Like I think the opportunity to get back two wins and get their way to two two and one is is right there in front of them. Like the like the expectation there that. They get back to that 500 record and they could do something much better this season than what they've seen thus far.
0: I think the chances of beating the Chargers are much better than beating the Jaguars at this point. Doug Peterson is a phenomenal coach and I think many are not surprised at what we're seeing out of Jacksonville so far. And that would kind of be my assessment. I think take it one week at a time, but Los Angeles, definitely a winnable game. Like we talked about earlier with all the injuries there, They're coming up against, but Jacksonville—that's gonna be a tougher one to sled past.
1: Yeah, um, I think the Chargers for sure winnable. Jacksonville's winnable also, but you will be big. You will be big dogs in those both of those games because, as, as you mentioned, like Jacksonville's a pretty good team. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence taking that next step that we thought Davis was gonna take. Um, but then you have that bye week, you know, at Las Vegas. Um, I mean, um, you know, yeah. By the way, you got Las Vegas. Las Vegas, that that's a winnable game. They're they winless. Tennessee is obviously win, winnable. So back to what Bro was saying, like that is on the table. That if you can steal one here, there is a chance you could get back to five hundred before you face Philly. Um, you know, on that Thursday night game, November third, which you know, I mean, I don't want to mark that as an L, but I mark that as an L because Philly's a <laughs> Philly's, Philly's a well robot. old machine right now. So, <laughs> yes. but then you got you got you got at New York. Then you got. Washington. So those are two winnable games. Then you, you know, you got at Miami. Then you have um, versus Cleveland. Cleveland, that'd be Deshaun Watson's first game back. I think Deshaun Watson, when he gets back, is going to stink because if you don't play football for a long time, you just can't hit the ground running. Like, this doesn't work like that. So there'll be some opportunities to for sure steal some wins throughout the year, um, as long as the defense continue to play well. And eventually the offense can stop pooping the bed in the fourth quarter.
0: <laughs> all right, Brian, you got any, anything else?
2: Well, yeah, I just, just thinking back to last year. Like the Texans pretty much dominated the Chargers last year. Like, is this really going to be that different of a game? If even if Davis Mills doesn't look the same as he did last year, that like, this is not that different a Chargers team that they'll be facing, especially given all the injuries they've suffered.
0: Yeah, I mean it. I don't. I, it's hard to say i mean it you just it's all going to hinge on justin herbert at this point and how well, and how well he can manage through the pain um i don't think they had austin eckler last year i think he was out whenever but of course justin jackson ran all over houston that day anyway so i guess it didn't really matter but like dj said it's it's a definitely a winnable game like we saw like we talked about earlier the lines down to you know about plus 4 for houston so it's definitely a winnable game, and there's going to be multiple games that are that are winnable this year. So, Brian, I appreciate it, sir. All right, we'll move him on.
2: All right, thank you.
0: All right, let's see here. There's a couple of questions on the – Chuck's always got questions. And then uh, Damon – how many more unclutch performances before Mills gets benched? I would say is, is he could very well be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. I mean, I you've the team is committed to him, committed to to getting a full evaluation on him. I I just don't see how moving to Kyle Allen really or Jeff Driscoll. God, no, thank you. But um I just don't see how moving to Kyle Island moves the needle anyway. And I think you just, you're, you're committed to meals like this. You've got to get a full evaluation and stick to that. But going
1: back to, going back to, you know, the question, like, um, how many more unclass performances? I mean, you, 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 mentioned evaluation, this continues. Your evaluation is kind of set. So you could just move to Kyle Island and be like, yo, we just trying to get a spark at that point and then just see what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah you said, they're committed to him for the year. So, well, um, they'll ride it out for the most part unless, like, it's just abhorrent. If it's abhorrent, then, you know, I could see them benching him. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like they're committed to him long-term. So, like, this isn't like a first-round quarterback that they drafted last year that they have to see through. Like, the Bears have to do with Justin Fields. Justin Fields was a third-round pick. He'd probably be benched by now, <laughs> if I'm just being honest that's how bad he was on Sunday and that's how bad he's been throughout the year. And obviously dating back to last year. So, but Davis hasn't been that bad, but I do think that, um, he has to for sure improve his play because I mean, if he continues that, I mean, you can't say that benching is out of there quite out of the equation.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fair point. I guess I, I'm not trying to imply that it's out of the question. I just feel like it's going to take a lot to get to that point and,
1: and I agree there.
0: You know, not like two games from now, but maybe like after the bye or something like that. But we'll see. But it's you you've gotta see something. We've gotta see something beyond the first two quarters. We've gotta see adjustments. We've gotta see him return to having that pocket presence, stepping up into the pocket, not not getting not getting freaked out of the pocket too early like we've seen. See so him get through the progressions. I mean he's he's missing some opportunities, the plays are there. Just need to to execute a little bit better, and the accuracy just needs to improve because he's gonna. I'm convinced that one. Uh, I can't remember what quarter it was where he threw it to Cooks right down the hash, and Cooks had to jump up for it, but ended up dropping it. Dropping it. and I think he dropped it because he was getting ready to get laid out. And, oh, you t- you
1: talking you talking about um against the Bears when I was, yeah like, I an mean, emotion Atkins to the outside yeah yeah,
0: and yeah. it's it's. There's been more than a few throws like that this year where he's putting his receivers in a pretty tough situation to come down with the catch without taking a hard hit. So the accuracy's gotta improve. We've got to see a lot from him. So um let see. me ask you
1: this. What 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 type of quarterback do you think Davis is? What do you mean? So like, you know, um what do you think like his ceiling is, his floor, I guess, you know, that in between range.
0: I think he's could be a very good quality backup for many many years. Um, on a good day, maybe he's Kirk Cousins. Maybe slightly b- below Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, somewhere in there. But I think I think he will end up probably being if he stays healthy just a good very quality backup that can step in and cover for two or three four games for you and keep you keep the team going keep the ship heading in the right direction that's kind of my feeling on him for the long term
1: Mm, okay okay yeah um yeah i think if i had to describe i think i i put him in that jimmy garoppolo um breath where it's like if the team around him is good enough you can win games um, you know, where he had a strong run game, some good weapons, a good defense, you can win games with him for sure. Um, it's just that with those type of guys, but it's Alex Smith, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously Jared Goff, you move on from those guys eventually cause you want more. So I think that's kind of what he's like battling. Like he has to like prove that he could be a franchise type guy that can produce explosive type plays, produce an explosive offense. Um, or help, you know, create that, whatever, however that looks. So, you, you know, you don't have to use a first-round pick on one of the quarterbacks that's coming out in next year's draft class. Um, so.
0: There's starting to be a little growing sentiment out there. Um, I know Landry's one of them, and he end up end up not getting on here tonight. But he's not completely against just bypassing a quarterback next year in the first round and going with, like, a Will Anderson and another wide receiver or – He's well. He's a Longhorn fan, so he's already talking about Bijan Robinson. But But here's the
1: thing, though: if you if you do that, um, now you kind of need those guys to be like elite level players as a rookie, so you can start winning games, and you still would need David Smith to take another step. So, like again, if you feel that he's a high level, you, you kind of see him as like a backup ish type quarterback, or you see him as like in a Jimmy Garoppolo range. You're eventually going to move on from that regardless. So, yeah. That's my thing.
0: So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the team's feelings on it when that come, time comes. But I'm not, not not ready to make have those discussions just yet. Um, yeah. I did get a question from Chuck, a regular on here. Kind of a double question. So, how's the clock looking on Titus Howard? Chuck doesn't like Titus Howard, just for the record. Um, thinks he'll get rid of him. You know, Titus, it, he hasn't been bad this year. He hasn't been great, but he's he's not an issue, I'll say. I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to put that. He's he's not a problem. Um, right. his, his salary is – his $13.2 million salary is guaranteed next year. Uh, so, it would be interesting to see if the team tries to do an extension with him or just leave it at $13, 13 million cap charge next year, you know – the see how the rest of the season goes for him. I don't I don't I certainly don't foresee the team moving on from him from next year. I don't even think trade would be on the way you're moving on from him. You're not going to you're not going to release him with that fully guaranteed salary. So I don't think uh I think you'll definitely see him in 2023. I don't we'll see how they manage the the contract from there. And then uh What's the cap looking like for maybe signing Kareem Hunt or Josh Jacobs as a solid RB 2 If you're talking about this year, there's n- no cap room whatsoever to do right. anything. <laughs> uh, but do you got any? You got any thoughts on Titus Howard? Before I get back to that question,
1: I mean Titus Howard's been playing just fine. I mean, like yeah. he's a solid, he's a solid right tackle, and again, like. It's hard to find tackles in the NFL. As I mentioned, like obviously the Chargers are down to they they just lost their starting the tackle. The right tackle ain't good. Um obviously I mentioned the Jets. Obviously I mentioned the Dolphins. Um like it's hard to find good tackle play, man. So like if you have someone that's that, that is solid, obviously like Titus isn't, isn't the best. And then he's like, playing bad, like he's been playing just fine. Like you keep those guys around. Because, like, okay, you get rid of him, what are you going to replace him with? You're going to draft a guy? you going to draft a rookie? Yeah. Like, most rookie tackles don't end up being Slater year one. Like, it takes them time. It takes them a lot of time. So, like, you want to take that risk? No, I don't I, don't. I mean, like, all you need is if you have one really good – you obviously, have a really good left tackle, you have a solid right tackle. If you have those tackle spots, you know, shored up, you'll be just fine, you know, so.
0: And – Chuck just to, Yeah, just just to put a bow tie on this Chuck and I know some folks are not a big fan of PFF grades. They're they're def- def- decent reference point for me. He is grading way above his work in 2019, 2020 and 2021. So like DJ said, he's playing solid, he's not a problem and finding quality tackles like DJ said is is tough to come by. And so We'll see what the team figures out with him as for signing another running back. Like I said, there, there's, they're not going to be able to sign anybody for the rest of the year, absent of a, a, a vet minimum rookie, you know, young player on a very low salary They're They're still going to have to mortgage probably another two or three contracts probably next week or the week after that, something like that. They're probably going to restructure another group of, a group of contracts to free up three or $400,000 in cap dollars. I mean, just to give you, give you a reason why, I mean, they're at 52 players on the 53 man roster. They have, they've carried now for the past week, only 52 players. That's not abnormal, but it's unusual for a team to only run with 52 players. The jet, uh, the giants had to do it towards the end of last year when they ran in. Dave Gettleman had them strapped on the cap pretty bad and they, They got to the point where they couldn't even sign players. So, I'm not saying that Houston's going to get to that point, but I definitely don't expect them to be able to bring in any other types of players. And if you're talking about next year, oh RB two for next year. Oh, so I wasted all that. So RB two for next year. I don't. We'll we'll just have to see what the market looks like. I mean, Josh Jacobs is going. He's not going to have much. He's not. He's probably going to be in that four to five million dollar range next year. I think uh, there'll be plenty of options, whether it's from the draft or free agency, to address that that RB two market. So I don't, wouldn't really, I wouldn't be too terribly concerned about it just yet, Chuck. There's some, there's some time to, to address that. Um, let's see here. Another question here, DJ. You okay on time? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Do y'all see Mills throwing the deep ball more often, or will Pep, Pep still? Be calling conservative plays from Caesar. i'll let you take that one dj
1: um hmm. i think that here's the issue when he tries to throw it it's usually not good you know so like as an offensive coordinator you got to call plays that you think are going to work and at the end of the day like you know when he tries to you know throw it okay for example right i'm pulling up the stats right now he's thrown seven passes over 20 yards he's completed only two of them you know yeah
0: um uh, Right. he's got a right. he's got a 30 percent accuracy and 30 percent completion rate on the 11 to 20 yards and 20 percent over 20 yards
1: you know like in an inter- intermediate for 14 for 31 like granted he's throwing three touchdowns so he has a pass at 107 but like 13 for 31 on intermediate passes is is, is rough um so again like that's a 45 it's <laughs> a 45 completion percentage so like I don't want to say he's handicapped. He's handicapping uh, uh, Pep Hamilton. But, like, for example, I mean, even when he's trying to throw it deep and dudes are wide open, like, the, the flea flicker Brandon Cooks, right? Week one. That should have been a touchdown. Like, I think everybody can admit that should have been a touchdown. Like, Brandon Cooks are the weight on the on the ball. And I don't know. That's why when you mentioned that, like, it, it might be mental. Because Davis Mills can make all these throws. Like, that is – like, he has the – if you're starting out for a quarterback, you can make all the throws. Like, that's one thing. I don't really get enamored with all the aesthetics when it comes to – quarterbacks because like most quarterbacks can make the majority of the throws. it's like the guys that can like do the off script stuff that we get enamored with unrightfully so but most quarterbacks can make every the majority of throws that require so davis can't do that it's just perplexing when he like i don't know if it's like his footwork or it's you know with his footwork and he's not generating enough power to get the ball where it needs to be or sometimes when he does load up because some quarterbacks when they do load up they lose their accuracy some quarterbacks they, they have that issue um and you know, like I remember, like he tried to throw a fade ball to Nico last weekend. Um, he threw it inside. You know, like, like it was, like, he threw it way inside. Not even like a high point when Nico could like go in 50-50, because the corner that was on was even that tall. So, um, I think Pep is trying to work with whatever flow that Davis is showing throughout the game. It's just, man, um, there's just times where he's just, you know, struggling to throw that thing down the field, man. And I will also say that. To be fair to Davis, there are plays where, his, as you mentioned earlier, where guys aren't getting open enough for him. Like, I, 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 This is why Chris Henson for Pep comes in. Like, You got Brandon Cooks. Why, like last year he was in the slot 36% of the time. This year he's in the slot 19% of the time. Like, free him up a little bit. Get him in space, you know. Like, he has the majority of his yards from this season – have been from the slot. Like, he has 93 yards from the slot this year. On the outside, he has 65, right? So, like, why not move him around and make the defense have to account for him? Because he obviously is their best weapon. So, why make it easy if you're just standing him on the outside or him, you know, send him on the left side or send him on the right side? Why not put him in the slot sometimes, more times when I put – because he's, 80, he's running 86 – I'm looking at next season stats. He's run 86 routes from – the wide spot and only 21 in three games from the slot spot. And then the route selection, right? I'm about to tell you the route selection. Uh Uh, He's run 52 routes. He's either been, well, he's run like more than that, but like 52 of the routes he's run this year have been either go routes or hitches. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I think think the total number is like around one or something. And the majority of them, half of it, has been gold or hitches, and it's like, you tell me we can't get a little more creative with cooks and and use them in different variations, you know? Instead it's of it's not just, like
0: he's limited on his route tree. I mean, he, exactly. he can run every route. Yeah, that's exactly. that's a very good, very good observation. That's something I didn't even realize. Wow, you know, you know. So it's like
1: that's why that's why like well, you know, I'm big on players got to make plays, but. Pep has Pep has not done the best job of putting everybody in position to succeed. Right, like there's times where like the play calling gets very predictable. Right, like third and one goal line. I think it might have been third quarter. They made it so obvious they're going to hand it to Damian Pierce. Right, and then that's what. Granted, I think uh, I, I want to say Keenan Green missed a block. Somebody missed a block. Oh, no, I think it might have been it might have been Laramie. But somebody missed a block, and obviously. Raekwon and somebody else would ever come in there and, you know, get the TFL and force them to take the, you know, take the field goal. I think that tied the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, again, like predictability, right? Like, okay, third and, third and one from the Colts 47. You bring in Charlie Heck, right? You make him eligible. You take out Brandon Cooks and you put in Chris Moore, one of your better blocking um, receivers. You're basically telegraphing what you're going to do, you know? Like, I was arguing with um, Jonathan about that. Like he was like, man, I should just give the ball to Damon Pierce. Man, it didn't matter who he gave the ball to; they were gonna get stopped because it's obvious what you're gonna do. <laughs> so the, so that's kind of where my criticism for Pep has been. Is like, there's times where he can be a little bit predictable. Like there's a bunch of times I know you watched where that, like, it'll be third down. They're running, they're running um, plays to the sticks, right? They're just running mm-hmm. all curls. Right. And it's like, yo, if I a dude that works for ESPN can pick up on this, you don't think? Defensive coordinators who get paid millions of dollars to study all this can't pick up on this and tell his defensive backs, hey, this is what they're going to do on this down. Like, you know, I, I pep. And, and on top of that, there's just another thing that's kind of perplexing. They don't use motion, they barely use motion. And that's so perplexing that in 2022, you're not using motion, tellies. Like, you know, free up stuff for Davis or free up stuff for Brandon Cooks or Nico Collins or Chris Moore. Like the majority of um, Davis Mills, um, you know, plays and dropbacks, there's no motion. So like it's kind of like I won't say it's predictable, obviously, but I think I'm about to pull up the stats right now
2: in terms. Yeah, of- I
0: saw I saw not Brian Burke or maybe it was Seth Walter. Yeah, I saw where they put up they were like 27th or 28th on pre snap motion work across the league. And I mean, yeah, like you said, that frees up people that that changes up the matchups, but right that can also yeah. assist your quarterback and given a glimpse of what the defense may be doing as well.
1: Exactly, right? Because, like, if you, let's say, hypothetically, right, you move motioning Brandon Cooks from the slot and you motion them over to the right side of the field, if that cornerback, slot corner, follows them, boom, they're in man coverage. Yeah. Or if that cornerback doesn't, now you know they're in the zone. Now you're just trying to figure out, okay, which zone are they in? Are they in three? Are they in two? Are they in quarters? Are they going to do fire, fire blitz? Whatever it is. Like, now you have more answers to the eventual test, you know? And it's just kind of perplexing that they don't, you know, they're not running that much of it. And it's like you're only, you know. And, and again, like, when I asked Lovey about that, uh, I think I might, ask, I might ask him off the record, but um, when you run motion, what it causes the defense, the opposing defense to do is communicate because once you run motion, everybody's job changes, right? Everybody's job changes, and you have to communicate that across the board. That can create miscommunication. Now, now you can create big plays. So it's kind of perplexing that they're just not running that many of that that much of it. So I mean, you know, I asked Pep about it last week, and you know, he kind of I don't want to say he deflected. That's not what he did, but like the um the quarterback that's used the most motion this year is, let me see, it's Tua Tagovailoa. Well, yeah, Joe that Black, makes AJ. sense. Tua, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr. If these quarterba- and, and break, if these quarterbacks can get motion plays, you telling me, you telling me, um, you can't get De- Davis Mills right now off among starting quarterbacks. One, two, three, four. He has the fifth fewest amount of attempts with motion. Like, yep. And I, you know, I'm not saying like that's gonna make like the like a gigantic difference, but it's gonna help him out. It obviously would help him out substantially like he has 37 you know plays with motion uh, attempt with motion where you have guys like Tua with 78 and Patrick Mahomes with 67 Patrick Mahomes had a pass rate of 130 with motion seven touchdowns Tua seven touchdowns a pass rate of uh, 117 like you know I'm saying like Lamar with motion a pass rate of 134 like it's been proven that motion helps quarterbacks Jacoby Brissett has a passing rate of one hundred eleven, three touchdowns. Jacoby Brissett, like, come on, like, give Davis Mills some motion. That's yep. my rant for them.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, we had one other question about uh, Justin Britt. I don't think there's really much to be to be said there. I mean, he's he's on reserve. He's going to be out. He's going to be on reserve a minimum of four games, so that puts him out through uh, week six. So at the earliest, he can return is week seven. But the team does have four players that'll be eligible to return to practice next week um see so Mario Addison Javier Thomas Christian Harris and Tegan Katariano. sounds like Thomas will probably return to practice next week Christian Harris I don't think he's going to be ready to return I think uh when I tweeted that out today I think fans may have inferred that i meant that they will be returned into practice and i was just saying that they were eligible i don't doesn't sound like in, and what lovey said today kind of validates it in my opinion i know it's kind of read between the lines thing when he said he'll eventually help us or i think he used the word soon at some point but i just didn't get the feeling that he's going to be back next week returning into practice so and it doesn't sound like mario addison's close and tegan i almost feel like they're going to redshirt him so, I don't know if you've heard anything different with Christian Harris or Javier Thomas potentially returning to practice next week.
1: I think uh Javier will will, will be back uh soon. Yeah. Um obviously Lovey said that um he's make uh Christian Harris making progress so he'll eventually be back. Um so that's kind of like the updates that I have on that front.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let me do one more scan. Make sure there's no more questions. I think that was all of them. It is. Nobody wanted to talk tonight, so that's fine. We'll do all the talking. DJ, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you're. Hopefully, you get to. You'll start feeling better in the morning and get you some rest tonight. But I uh, appreciate the time, sir.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you for having me. You know, whenever you, whenever you need me, just just DM me. I'm only a DM away.
0: All right, or you're five seats down for me, one of the two. <laughs> the first week I was, I was like, I looked down there, I was like, Aaron, is that DJ? He's like, yeah. I was like, I need to go say hi to him. And then the <laughs> game went by and I was like, shit, yeah, I forgot to say hi to DJ. <laughs> but uh no, yeah, hopefully I'll be up there on Sunday again. But um yeah, no, so I appreciate it, sir. And yeah, don't hesitate to hit me up if you need something as well. We will call that a wrap. I think that's about it for tonight. Um, good uh, hour and three minutes. So right at the one hour mark like we usually do. So I appreciate everybody joining in. We'll get the uh, podcast version of this posted up hopefully by tomorrow night on the cap and trade newsletter. So don't forget to subscribe to that on my Substack on cap and trade dot And don't forget to follow DJ on uh on twitter and his work with uh espn what's your twitter handle dj uh
1: dj bnma
0: simple as that so don't hesitate follow him he's doing great work here in houston so far and uh with that we will shut it down and everybody have a good night thank you dj no problem